0: What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast. We are coming at you here on a Friday evening, one day after the NBA draft, as the Clippers made their picks. And boy, was it an eventful lead-up with the Clippers almost making a trade to get Malcolm Brogdon, but it didn't end up happening. Last time this podcast ended up recording, Shane Young and I were talking about Chris Paul and the fit that he would have on the Clippers Well, Chris Paul is in Golden State, so that is not going to be a fit for the Clippers. And I am glad to have back on this podcast, my buddy, the man, the myth, the legend, Double M, Matt Matt Mattawarren, back on the Ethos Clippers podcast. Matt, how are you, my friend?
1: Sports, Ethos Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus. How the heck are you? Me, I'm great. I'm just sitting here in the lap of luxury and my... Brand spanking new one bedroom apartment in Koreatown in Los Angeles, California, basking in the glow of one little sofa bed in the living room, no TV, no internet to speak of. I'm on my phone, but I wouldn't miss this pod for the world because we got to talk about, oh, what an eventful draft it was.
0: Yes, indeed. And that is not the only thing we're going to talk about because we have to talk about the failed trade with Malcolm Brogdon Mm -hmm. that was supposed to send Marcus Morris, the number 30 pick, and Amir Coffey to Washington. And somehow Marcus Morris is still on the Clippers. And we have to talk about something that is the least surprising thing in this entire world. Kawhi Leonard underwent surgery. A cleanup is what Lawrence Frank called it yesterday, and he is supposedly ready, or will be ready, to play come the next season when it begins. But guess what? I will believe that when I see it, because Kawhi Leonard is the slowest healer in the world. Um, Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the draft? Do you want to start by going further back to the canceled trade with Malcolm Brogdon, or do you want to start with Kawhi? It's up to you, Matt.
1: Why don't we hit the uh, canceled trade since that did involve the 30th pick and then sort of move into the 30th pick if that works for you?
0: Perfect. So like I mentioned, the Clippers were going to send away the 30th pick along with Marcus Morris and Amir Coffey for Malcolm Brogdon. And I was very excited about this trade. And I saw, I believe it was Tomara a friend of the podcast, was saying that the Clippers probably gave up too much there because they would get rid of Marcus Morris, who Um, is a guy that was a starter for the Clippers. Get rid of Amir Coffey, who was outstanding when the Clippers had all those injuries a couple years back, but he was not good last year, and a first-round pick. So he thought that could be a little bit to give up, given you're giving up a project Amir Coffey that you're trying to develop, you're giving up another first-round pick, and you're giving giving up Marcus Morris. But the way I looked at it was that The Clippers were getting a guy in Malcolm Brogdon that is a 50-40-90 guy, and there aren't a ton of those players. A dude that can go and score 20 points in a given night if you need to. He can play point. He can play shooting guard. And you're giving up Marcus Morris, who shouldn't be starting, um, shouldn't be in the rotation because you have Batum and Covington. You're giving up Amir Coffey, who, once again, is not part of that rotation. And you're giving up a first-round pick that the Clippers have an Awful history when it comes to the draft. And we'll talk about that a little bit further when we get into the actual draft picks. But you give up three things that, frankly, don't matter for a team that is trying to win now. And I think that's the way we kind of have to look at this, Matt, is that you can certainly take a step back and say, wow, you're giving up a guy in Amir Coffee that's a project and could develop into someone, and you're giving up a first round pick. But here's the thing the Clippers don't really use rookies, Uh, Ty Liu doesn't use rookies. Talk about that more later. And you're getting a guy that's going to help you win now. And it certainly feels like that's what this team is going towards with Kawhi and PG is trying to win now. I was looking forward to the trade, but once again, the medicals cropped up. And funny how you see Michael Porter Jr. get flagged by the medical department and he had a bunch of back surgeries, no doubt. So they were right that his back was an issue, but guess what? He's playing and he just won an NBA title. And no issue with Kawhi and PG. And here they are, injury-prone as could be. So curious to get your thoughts because I was really disappointed. The trade got um, canceled. Um, apparently there's some sort of tendon issue. Listen, he couldn't easily be hurt long-term, but I-, I think it was worth the gamble. Even if he was injured long-term because you're not really giving up a whole lot. So curious what your thoughts are.
1: I have to agree. I mean, you're not, you're not really giving up anything, you know, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, like you said, 50, 40, 90 guy, efficiency is something that the Clippers thrive on, especially when you're a team that has Leonard and he's, he's the reigning six man of the year. And we know that the Clippers are addicted to six men of the year. It's just, it's a, it's a hand in glove fit. So I was really excited as well to give up Amir coffee. Sure. It's a bummer, but is he really going to play much through the regular season, let alone in the playoffs? The answer of course is no. So when you have a guy like a project with who has a project like that, as you were alluding to, when you have Kawhi Leonard, when you have Paul George, when you have some other aging or uh, aging players on your team, it, and it's when now, then Amir the, the Coffey is irrelevant when it comes down to crunch time. So that's fine. Marcus Morris, you know, you guys, you guys were just talking about he, how he's the contract that just cannot be that cannot be traded. He's the the player that just won't die. Well, you guys are right because you can't trade him. And then the thirtieth pick. You know, which, like you said, we'll talk about that later. So what? He's that's not going to be an impact, or most likely, won't be an impact pick either. Malcolm Brogdon, however, if healthy, certainly an impact impact player. We saw that with the Celtics, uh, and and the Pacers before. So I I was really looking forward to this trade. I've been a Malcolm Brogdon fan a lot because of fantasy and a lot just because of his real life game for a while now. He impressed me when I saw the Celtics play uh, the Clippers live at Crypto last year. He looked really good in that game. Uh, not not many of the Celtics uh, did, but he looked good. It, it was it's a bummer to me. I think it would have been a great fit. Now the fact that he's getting flagged for all these medical issues, like I said, irony of ironies, because we br- we brought in two guys who just cannot stay healthy. There was rumors of us bringing in Chris Paul. Yeah, you want to get a off a non injured guy well Chris Paul is not the one you want to bring in in order to do that so we'll see what happens moving forward but darn I thought it was a really good trade for the clips with not much downside except maybe the injury bug but yeah we we, we've we've got you know a lot of bugs in the injury department so
0: well that's the thing right I mean like you're concerned about Malcolm Brogdon's injury but like why now are we concerned with injuries like you're They must have been really concerned, like very, very, very concerned to not have this trade go through. And it's possible that they, the Clippers wanted a closer look. And with the deadline of Porzingis needing to opt in, the, the other teams are like, we can't wait. And I get it. I mean, I understand it. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the – listen, he's 31 years old, I believe. So he is a guy that's going to possibly be a little bit of a slower healer because he's a little bit older. I don't know. I just feel like it's worth the risk. Even if it doesn't work out, like really what's the worst thing you lose? You lose a first round pick, right? Like that you lose the number 30 pick because Morris, you don't want anyways. You get him off your books. Amir Coffey's a guy that, listen, I remember when Justin Wilson was on this podcast and he said to me that he thinks Amir Coffey's more valuable than Terrence Mann. Like that was when Amir Coffey was having his unbelievable stretch. Like that's where Clipper Nation was. And that thinking, listen, Amir Coffey's got the talent. He's got the ability to get into the paint, he's got the ability to spray, he's got the ability to shoot, he's got a lot that he can do, and he's long and athletic, but it just got to the point last year where he was just not good, and the thing with the Clippers, and it's frustrating, because here's the issue, when you're a team that wants to win now, you don't really have patience with rookies, and you don't have patience with younger players, that's what was so fun about the Clippers when they were younger, and when they didn't have these star players in PG and Kawhi, is that you could kind of be there along for the ride, Matt. You know, like, you could watch these guys develop. You could watch guys that you drafted develop. You could watch DJ develop. You could watch Blake develop. It was fun seeing how these players ended up being groomed into the way you wanted them to play and the way that they could possibly play. And you don't can't do that now. Like, you're really lo- trying to insert players that can help you right now. And you don't have patience. And it's not fun that way. Like, I would love to see what Amir Coffee could be, but the Clippers don't have time to experiment with that, right? Like, that, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and the other – it makes perfect sense. And, and another question is, what exactly is the alternative? Like, okay, so you don't want to do that trade for Malcolm Brogdon because you have cold feet, and perhaps he didn't get a peek at his medicals from the Celtics because they're on a Porzingis deadline. So then what's the next move? What's the next Morris, uh, Amir Coffee? Uh, and fill in the blank because we already made the thirtieth pick. Then who's the next sixth man of the year, forty, fifty, ninety guy that's going to be coming our way? So it's it's going to be hard to sort of match what what we could have got on that deal. I think you're going to be getting a discount or a discounted player, a, a, a somebody not of Malcolm Brogdon's stature for that exact deal. So there is risk in not doing it, just as there is risk in doing it. Because now what's the alternative? There's a whole new ball of wax has to form and a new trade has to be developed.
0: Yeah. And that's the question now is what are the Clippers do? I mean, they, you've got to assume that Marcus Morris is not going to be back on their roster. I mean, they, they've already shown that they're willing to trade him. I Amir mean, coffee may be a little more willing to come back knowing that, listen, it's part of the business, but Marcus Morris is an older guy. Like that's not part of the business for him. You know, like he, he's someone that probably wants to get out of there. So what are the Clippers going to do? And will they end up still trading um, whoever they took at number 30? Like, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you, what do you do as the Clippers? And I mean, is a team going to want Kobe Brown? Like, is a team going to want Jordan Miller? I don't know. And so let's get into the draft because here's the thing. There are a couple guys that I, I, I mentioned last time on the podcast that we weren't going to spend any time because A, I didn't even know what the Clippers were going to pick. Number two, I don't watch a whole ton of college basketball, but there are certain people I trust. Um, one of them is Jay Billis because he knows his stuff, and I just listened to a couple other people and pick and choose guys that, hey, I like. I look at their numbers. Um, I really, really like Jackson Davis out of Indiana. Like, the numbers that he put up were silly, and I understand there were some concerns about his ability to score and his jumper. He was a first-round talent, and the Clippers passed on him twice. And then there were a couple other guys. um, I believe it was Leonard Miller is his name that went – Mm -hmm. At the end of the first round, that was a G League Ignite guy and that some people were saying is close to a lottery talent and the Clippers passed on him and they ended up getting a guy in Kobe Brown that's 23 years old and that people were very shocked at him going at that point. And what's so interesting is you look at his numbers, his four years at Missouri, freshman year, 5.8 points per game, sophomore year, eight 12.5 12.5 as a junior, 15.8 as a senior. So he, he got better each year. Um, didn't do a whole lot defensively um, when it comes to blocking. 11, 10, 28, then 15 in 34 games. Steals about one per game. Um, the big thing is the three-point percentage that he went from being a 20.5% shooter from three, 14 of 68 as a junior, to then going 51 of 112. I mean, you do the math there. He more than tripled the amount of threes that he made, and he went from 20.6% to 45.5. So are you hoping that – I mean, are you're hoping that that's the guy that you're getting, is the 45.5% from three guy, like a 40% three-point shooter. But it's very possible that this is not who he is, and he just happened to have one good year, and he's more like the other three years. Um, and he's 23 years old. And again, Matt, do you think they're actually going to give him a chance to play? Like, that's the issue, is that you're drafting these guys that I don't even think you're going to give a chance to play and be in the rotation anyways. So if you're not going to let rookies play, and they're going to take two or three years to actually be trusted, then you're already at 26 years old. So I don't understand the Clippers going so old and going with guys that I don't think they're going to trust to play. I mean, they got to hope that these guys are great right away. And how unlikely is that? You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, you
1: know, the first thing that jumped out to me is the – is the dramatic i mean dramatic increase in 3 point percentage like you said from 20.6 and those 20 23.7 45.5 is last year to me that seems like the anomaly instead of the norm like mm-hmm. that's just sort of an anomalous season where he he was just he was on fire for the season maybe it's not maybe he figured something out he did something on the college off season but to the larger point Oh, I will say something positive first. And I did throw this out on Twitter, and our good friends at the Law of the Jam podcast were very nice to point it out on their pod that the Clippers did technically, technically draft Kobe and Jordan. Hmm. So there is we can hang our hats on that. But aside from that, to get two guys at this ripe old age of 23 and a half, going on 24, like you said, if there is any form of development, and this goes for Kobe and for Jordan. They're, by the time they go through the G League or they go get through their two-way contracts, they're going to be yeah, you're right, 25, 26, unless they're able to come in and contribute right away. It's just, it's just kind of a, it's just kind of a wasted move. I mean, some of the comparisons for Kobe Brown that I was seeing: Millsap, Paul Millsap, Roddy, uh, what was his name? Roddy, uh, David Roddy, and this is the strangest one I heard was Kyle Anderson. Hm. Um. That was that was from uh, CBS Sports I believe so the Kyle Anderson one kind of shocked me but first of all none of that reads dead eye 3 point shooter and like that's th- those are his absolute absolute ceilings that if he were to develop for a few years maybe he would reach maybe any one of those any one of those goals but I, <laughs> I was just very perplexed I know uh you mentioned Leonard Leonard Miller he was a guy I had my eye on um, I don't know much about the college game, but he was somebody that had been uh, flagged to me from some friends of mine, and I was hoping maybe that would have been the case, but of course that fell through. So it's a little perplexing. Um, you, you know, you could argue uh, you draft older guys who can contribute immediately because you're in win-now mode, but we know, like you said, Ty lues he's not going to play rookies. These guys aren't going to get any time on, to, on the floor, most likely. So it's kind of, its just it was just kind of a pointless move that, I didn't quite understand. I mean, at least if you draft guys who are 19, 20 years old, you can send them down to the G League, develop them, them for a few years down the road and see what happens. But with drafting guys this age, and I hate to be an ageist, but it really makes absolutely no sense to me.
0: Yeah, that's my issue is that this is a team and a coach in Tai Lu that has shown that they don't trust rookies. I mean, the, Musa Diabate played – for a little bit this year and he showed some glimpses and then he was out of the rotation and it was because he got exposed. Um, he had that one little spark. It was, I think it was against Portland where he came in initially and he was great. And then he played for a couple of games and that was really the, it. that was really it. And I was on this podcast saying, let's not overreact like these guys are young. I mean, it, how many times that we have we seen Clippers Twitter and my buddy Shap is one of those guys along with Justin Wilson Shap at the Love the Jam podcast and of course Justin everyone talk about Brandon Boston uh, and Brandon Boston Junior Island I mean mm-hmm. this is a mm-hmm. guy that now every, everyone I think is willing to get rid of and that he hasn't shown enough yet I mean but he lights up the G League the thing is that he needs a lot of minutes and he's not going to get them with the Clippers. He's going to get them in the G League, and then where is he going to fit in the rotation? Like, is he going to play over a combination of Westbrook, Eric Gordon, Norman Powell, Kawhi, PG, Zoo, Robert Covington, Batum? Like, is he going to play over all those guys? No. And it's just tough when you're the combination of a coach who doesn't play young guys much and a roster that's just old as hell – in that you're going to play these veterans to get these rookies in. And that's why I'm okay with them trading these picks because, listen, w- when was the last time we've seen the Clippers actually convert on a draft pick? Like, apart from Terrence Mann. Yeah, T-Man, I was going to say. You look at this roster, and they continued to try to draft for fit years and years ago, and it never worked. And then now, like, they're continuing to try and draft these guys that I think – can hopefully spread the floor as a little bit bigger, small forward slash poor power forward guys. And I just don't know. I don't know. And these guys are going to have to be good quickly in order to even get a shot. And you look at Jordan Miller and it seems like that's the guy that people are a little more hopeful of. They think he might be better than Kobe Brown. He's a guy that shot 35% from three last year. It's not awful. From the field, he was at 55%. The year before that, 56%. I mean, he didn't shoot any lower than 45% during his career, which is really good. Um, As a free throw shooter, 78% last year. Not bad at all. And then you look, and he had 45 steals last year. The year before that, he had 63. So this is certainly a guy that's athletic and can defend. And those are the types of players that you want. Those long, athletic players that can get their hands in the passing lanes, cause havoc, and we'll see what he does. I mean, he started George Mason, then went to Miami, um, played for Laranega, who is uh, Coach's son. And obviously Laranega, the uh, older Laranegas on the Clippers staff, so certainly some part of a, hey, you should probably draft this guy type of thing, I'm sure. Um, but I don't know. I, I, just, I, I just don't – the draft just doesn't do it for me anymore because a combination of the Clippers missing on nearly every pick – and the fact that these guys aren't going to play anyways, so what does it matter? The Clippers screwed themselves by trying to go. I mean, they didn't screw themselves. They just—they're in a position now where they have Kawhi and PG, who are two great players, and they got to win now. But they screw themselves by hitching their wagon to two guys who can't stay healthy, and, and that's the issue right now.
1: Yeah, and, I'm, and i just from a player perspective, and a, like a player point of view, a lot of times you hear about the draft. You know, talent talent usually wins out, but a lot of it is situational, too. Like, players need to be drafted to the right situation and be nurtured. And unfortunately for I'm glad you got, brought it up, because guys like Brandon Boston, guys like Amir Coffey, uh, Kobe Brown, potentially, Jordan Miller, all these guys, they're drafted to the wrong situation because the Clippers are in no position to develop players right now unless they send them to the G League. But, of course, these players are a little older. Brandon Boston's a little older now. If you really need minutes, you need to be on a team like Washington or somebody who's just completely rebuilding and can give guys a fair shot and see what kind of talent they're working with and develop them and give them the attention they need. So from a player perspective, being drafted to the Clippers, even though it's in L.A., is kind of (laughs) terrible, especially in in the mid to late rounds because you're just not going to get any action, unfortunately. And it is going to be the guys who we have now who, like you just mentioned, are oft-injured and one of them circulating in a bunch of trade rumors recently.
0: Yeah. Um, so what do you do now? Um, is the question and the, I was going to wait to do this podcast for a couple of days because the Clippers have to make a decision on Eric Gordon by the 28th Mm -hmm. and they have to figure out whether they want to get rid of him or they want to let him opt in for a whole chunk of money. Um, And if you lose him and then you don't get a guy like Russell Westbrook or somebody else that you can replace um, that guard spot with, then you lose a guy and then you're in trouble there. But at the same time, that's why you draft these players because you want to give them a chance. Um, I frankly don't think Eric Gordon should be back on the roster, but at the same time, I think that they should keep him purely for optics because they traded a possible lottery pick that let dropped all the way to number 20 and they ended up getting Eric Gordon and an older player. So here's the question. What do you do if you're the Clippers? Um, let's hit on Eric Gordon first and then we'll talk about Kawhi. What are your thoughts on EG and whether the Clippers should keep him? So,
1: it's, it's 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 actually real it's really difficult to, to say if we should keep eG or not because like you said the optics of it all kind of dictate that yes we should take care of our our guys uh, we drafted him but you, uh, you know <laughs> i almost feel like the only reason that you're that you're keeping eric Gordon around and for the record i i would probably i hate to say it i'd probably vote no but the contract is tradable
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's a good point.
1: If if you hold on to Eric Gordon, so it's like this. It's this callous thing where, you know, over the past couple of years that we just all of us continue to become, you know, the NBA is forcing us all to get degrees in contract law at this point. <laughs> yeah. And and unfortunately, it becomes a little callous and cold. And you're not signing Eric Gordon. You're signing the asset, really. And in that regard, if that's the way you want to look at it, then yeah, the Clippers may be smart to do it in the hopes that they can move that contract, package it with something else, to to see what they can do to pair somebody or get a third person in there with Kawhi and Paul George, Mm -hmm. assuming that they're still on the team. So I I guess the answer is yes, to make sense, but it gets a little sticky. Because you don't know that you can or will trade the asset, but you want to keep the guy on the team because you love him. But then the asset also is a big contract, so it's it's kind of a conundrum. I'm curious to hear what you think. Yeah, about, and who else uh, would you get? EG's that's, future.
0: Yeah, that's the question. Who else would you get? And, and that's that's the issue now is the Clippers don't have very much money um, to spend here, and so you're going to spend the vent minimum on Russell Westbrook. And by the way, it feels like that's inevitable now that Westbrook would return. Um, I think he's made enough money in his career that now he just wants to be happy and deal with his mental health. Like, sure, he could go somewhere and make $10 million, but I-, I just don't think that he would do that now. I, I feel like the Clippers know that he's going to come back. Like, he thrived with the Clippers. He knows that Kawhi's not healthy. He knows that PG is a guy that either A, can't stay healthy, or B, may not even be there. So he has a chance to really do well and play. And I don't know if he's going to be a little upset if PG gets traded. But here's my thing. Um, I think he comes back. So I think Russell Westbrook comes back. I think Eric Gordon comes back. I think they just run it back, man. I, I really do. I just don't think that they can do a whole lot. And they're going to try and look and make a three-team trade possibly, and because they can't really do a one, a two-team trade, and try and pull something off. Like the only thing they could do is something that I saw on Twitter. I think it was uh, Justin Wilson posted it, where the Clippers get Lillard, they trade away the number thirty pick, trade away Marcus Morris, um, trade away a draft pick later on. You do that types of deal, and then the Knicks get involved, and the Knicks get Paul George. So stuff is getting is trading hands where. A team like the Knicks gets, get Paul George, which they want. Portland gets some younger players um, and some draft picks, which they want, because they're going to try and rebuild around Scoot. And the Clippers end up getting a guy like Damian Lillard. Like The only thing that I can see now is the Clippers making a deal. Like If they get rid of Lillard, I mean, if they get rid of PG, it, it certainly seems like they're not going to rebuild. It's going to be for a guy that's going to help them right now. So I think that they're going to try and Work around the edges with Eric Gordon and Russell Westbrook, and bring those guys back, and maybe deal a PG. But if they don't deal a PG, I think they just bring everybody back and hope they can get healthy and hope they get some luck with injury um, around the, the other teams, and that maybe they get lucky and they don't have to face a guy like Jokic in the fir- in the first or second round because somebody else does. Maybe they knock him out. Like I feel like that's that's the option that they've run themselves into. Do you agree or disagree?
1: I just I right, no, I definitely agree hundred percent. You know, Zach Lowe was saying that the the possible shakeup of the Clippers roster. And I think specifically he was talking about Paul George is the biggest under underlie the biggest story that nobody's really talking about at the moment. Cause he, he seems to think that some, something is in the work, not in the works, but something's going to happen. I did hear that trade, that three teamer with, uh, with Portland and with the Knicks. And I guess Portland would get some young guys from the Knicks too, RJ Barrett or Obi Toppin, you know, whatever the case may be. And certainly that one piqued my interest. Cause, I. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big Dame guy as well, but I'm also a big Paul George guy. So this is going to be going to be really interesting to see. I hope—I hope that no narrative starts where where, where fans still start to—I don't know—vilify Paul George simply because he's in rumors. Oh, he must want to leave or whatever. I don't think that's the case. But I will say that much like the last time we talked, I think the Clippers are doomed and destined. To run it back, yeah. pretty much as is. I I know you. They can try all they want to make the blockbuster trades and do all this kind of stuff. And I I will be. I'm here. I'm here for it. Uh, I'm, I, the rumors will probably start to get old after a while. But let's let's just see what happens uh, in the near future. But I think they've really painted themselves into a corner. That really, they, the only way to get out of it is to be healthy and to play out of it. And that has proven to be difficult, if not impossible, so far.
0: Yeah. Um, So let's talk about this Kawhi thing, because we've alluded to it a bunch already. Um, All of a sudden, it gets dropped yesterday that Kawhi had a scope cleanup um, at the beginning of June. Uh, I don't know how that somehow went under the radar until until now, because we are sitting now. We're recording this on June 23rd, Um, so I'm assuming it happened about two to three weeks ago and he is supposed to be ready by September. So once again, we're dealing with Kawhi that could be limited to start the season because he had that cleanup, and so who knows how his knee is going to react, if he's going to be able to play in preseason games, if he's going to be ready for the regular season. I'm honestly tired of it. I mean, you and I talked about this so much last year, and our podcast was so negative at times because it's just not fun. Like This team is not fun to root for. There's no part of this, especially the injury part, that's fun, like waiting on Kawhi, waiting on PG. And here we are again, where the front office and Kawhi Leonard were secretive as could be. Once again, it happens all the time. And it's so frustrating as a fan that we're sitting here and we are clinging to a thread, hoping that Kawhi is fine, thinking, okay, no news is good news. Well, no news means that. There's probably something going on because there's always something going on. They're do not not telling you what's going on, and it's frustrating. So I'm upset. I'm upset because, A, I'm upset because Kawhi's hurt again, and I'm upset because, by the way, he was day-to-day possibly during the postseason. Once again, he ended up having a cleanup, so so much for that. Um, and, B, I'm upset because here we are again. where We're basically just on Kawhi's... Just agenda, whatever he wants, whenever he wants, and I'm sure he's frustrated. But man, it's so frustrating as a fan um, to have to deal with this guy, and that we sacrificed Shea Gilgis Alexander and the future of this team for these two guys that can't stay on the floor. It sucks. It
1: does suck. You and and you and I and all of Clipper Nation and everybody listening and all the Clippers fans have every right to be upset. Frustrated, dejected, angry, and quite frankly, a little insulted. Because I think that part of being a fan, part of being a fanatic, part of loving a team is feeling like you're part of that team. And for many, many years, we felt like that with the Clips, even when they sucked, even even, even when they were great with Lob City, when you know, whatever the case may be, we at least felt as if we were part of the experience, part of the team. Now we feel like detectives, where we need to kind of read the tea leaves is this what's the truth what did we hear well somebody you know jj reddick may have may have said something about Kawhi just an off off the cuff remark during the draft what does that mean should we let's go on twitter and discuss
0: yeah he for said, an hour. He, like, said he, like, he wasn't gonna be ready and everyone's like what the hell where'd he drop that from well guess what he was he was right
1: he was right and it but but did we know that no we had jj reddick mentioned something off the cuff everybody goes on twitter and try to figure out what's going on and all you know it I think that's the main reason that we're frustrated is because no longer do we feel like Clippers we feel like Clippers fans and more like Clippers detectives. We just got to kind of figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. I it's it's a problem that and I he's one of the greatest players, you know, of this generation of all time but like you said when when Kawhi came in and this is sort of why on our last pod when you and I were talking Brandon that I was like, "Well, maybe I'd like to keep Paul George rather than Kawhi because I feel like When he came over, it's the Clippers, and then it's Kawhi, and when he plays for us, it's great, and he kind of feels like a Clipper, but not always because we just don't know what's going on, and it makes us not feel like Clippers. It makes us frustrated. It makes us dejected. And, you know, I hate to have negative podcasts all the time, but there hasn't been a very big upswing for us to get super excited about or feel warm and fuzzy like we should, like when Darius Miles and Q Rich were banging their heads. like we We haven't felt that way in a while, and I'd like to again.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So it kind of leaves us now where we're just going to wait to see how things go down. And will the Clippers keep Eric Gordon? Will they keep – or will they pay Eric Gordon? Will they keep Marcus Morris? I mean, what's going to happen? It it feels like the Clippers can't do anything really small. It feels like if they're going to make a trade, it feels like it's got to be pretty big unless you're willing to have – or a team's willing to just take on salary, which would be great. I mean, that that Brogdon deal is the type of deal that you really want to do like you want to do a deal where you give up three guys that are not going to be a part of your rotation for a guy that would be a part of your rotation like that those types of deals would be amazing and that's why i was saying there's no chance in hell that it would happen when i was talking to shane but it it was it was there it was there for the taking and it just didn't end up working in the clippers way so we'll see how things go um but we'll be here on this podcast any final words you want to chat about or you want to say about the draft or talk about uh the Clippers losing out on Brogdon, Chris Paul or uh, Kawhi PG.
1: Uh I'll I'll quickly just say on Chris Paul, I was never really in the camp that I thought it'd be a good idea for him to come back. Yeah. But I will I will say this as a as a as a last thought just because I know I went on a little tangent about feeling terrible as a Clippers fan. I do. I am still a Clippers fan. Love the team and I I would not count them out this season. I wouldn't. They're not dead. You know, it's it. This isn't a, a is a memorial service for the Clippers' upcoming season, but as we know, and as we've discussed, uh, especially you and I, Brandon, um, that to win to win a title, it takes a few things. It takes luck, it takes culture, which was a, a word that was made fun of before the Heat proved that it's that it's real, and it and it and it takes health, luck, culture, health. Clippers have not had pretty much any of those for the past few years, so it's going to take a lot for the Clippers to rise up, but I would not count it out. It's not an impossibility. It can happen.
0: Yeah, perfect way to end the podcast. Matt Mattaworn, at Matt Mattaworn on Twitter. I'm at BD Marcus, of course, the Ethos Clippers podcast, at Ethos Clippers on Twitter you can engage with us we'll certainly enjoy doing that i mean we we always respond to people when they hit us up we love when um people who listen to the podcast let us know it's awesome again thank you to everybody who does rate review who listens who subscribes it's awesome and it means a lot to us we'll be here throughout this off season and we'll see how things break down so until next time he's matt i'm brandon and go clips
1: go clips